everybody. Welcome to another episode of Mythic Existence. I'm your host, Jack Daly. It's December 23rd, the holiday season is in full force, and it's only fitting that we do a holiday-inspired episode. Instead of focusing on the holly and jolly, we're going to take a dive into some of the darker aspects of Christmas folklore by talking about Krampus, Frau Perkta, and the Icelandic Yule Lads. So sit back, relax, and enjoy another episode of Mythic Existence. So the first of these three holiday characters that we're going to discuss is Krampus. Strictly speaking, Krampus is a legendary figure. And if you think back to some of the episodes we've had in the past, particularly our episode about contemporary legends, you'll remember that the basic definition of legends is that they are set in a historical time and a place, and that there's often a supernatural element to them. So Krampus can certainly be thought of as being supernatural for a number of reasons, but time and place where his stories and associations come from is basically Germany and Austria. As I was doing research for this episode, I was noticing that a lot of the information that is available on the web in places like Britannica.org, or .com, I guess it is, um, have some misconceptions. And I'm going to try and clear some of those up. Krampus is a topic that, you know, there's very large books written about, so I'm not going to get into all of the details. I'll get you the basic uh, ideas behind it. But basically, Krampus is kind of an antithetical character in opposition to Santa Claus. And originally Santa kind of started out as an ecclesiastical type of character, but as he became more secularized and became associated with gift giving and stuff like that, other sort of anti-Santas arose and Krampus is one of them. Like I said, coming from Austria, Germany, that area, As far as we can tell, Krampus really started becoming popular in the 1880s in Austria in particular with these Krampus cards that showed him in the form that we know him today, which is almost kind of like a devilish looking figure. He has horns and he's cloven, like he has cloved feet and stuff like that. Apparently the word Krampus is somewhat associated associated with the German word Krampen, which means claw. So he has these claws. One of the things that you'll see on the web is that he's German, but this guy that wrote the book about Krampus, Al Ridenauer, says that he's more of actually an Austrian character and that Krampus is actually a group like um, a classification for an entire beast as opposed to one individual so it's kind of like Bigfoot a lot of people you know growing up don't really know a lot of the legends behind Bigfoot think oh you know Bigfoot there's one Bigfoot there's one Krampus no Krampus is a classification of beast and there are other terms that are preferred throughout Austria in opposition to Krampus including Kramperl and Kloboff. So 
I guess we, I probably should now say what Krampus is known for. Um, in his role as being sort of an anti-Santa, he kind of does the opposite. Instead of coming in and giving gifts on December 5th and 6th, which is, the, the 5th is called Krampus Knocked, and the 6th is actually St. Nicholas's Day, Krampus would come in and beat children who are naughty with sticks. And some places it said that he'll actually eat the children or even take them to hell. And then on St. Nicholas's Day, kids will either wake up and treat their injuries or find gifts from St. Nicholas. Britannica says that uh, Krampus is actually the son of hell from Norse mythology, who was one of the children of Loki. She resides in a kingdom called Niflheim, which is the world of darkness. It's basically the Norse hell. But Al Ridenour says that that's pure fantasy. And that kind of makes sense because, you know, although Austria and Germany are, are, are Northern Europe, they're not necessarily Norse. So the connection doesn't really hold up. And, especially that we don't really see Krampus coming up until the 1880s, as far as my research could tell, that really wouldn't hold up. So it seems like Krampus is kind of a folk figure that we might not really know exactly where he started from. Some of the places I saw online says that he's associated with pagan rituals of the winter solstice, but those don't really be substantiated claims. It's interesting that Krampus is sort of one of these half-goat, half-man demons that punish people. We have a long history of that. Uh, Pan is one of the, the, the satyrs of Greek mythology who, over time, as Christianity came along, these, you know, these goat-headed figures became associated with Satanism and were kind of taken out of their original context in America, we have uh, Goatman's Bridge is one of the most famous legends of a haunted location. There's multiple episodes of these, you know, ghost hunting shows like uh, what's the big one? Uh, Zach Bagans, his show, they go there and then the BuzzFeed Unsolved guys go there. And it's this bridge that's supposedly haunted by this goat man demon. And of course, we have the Baphomet of of the, the Templar lore who is associated with all sorts of occult and esoteric practices. So the demonic goat man is nothing new. It's kind of a leitmotif of folklore that we see coming up over and over again. There's a lot of interesting folk traditions associated with Krampus. Nowadays, they have a thing called the Krampus run that, originated in Europe and has now made its way to America where people dress up like Krampus and kind of run around the city and scare kids. It's kind of like a uh, running of the bulls, but for Krampus is kind of how I think of it as. And in Al Ridenour's book, he talks about a lot of the kind of unique turf wars. My cat is making her typical appearance on the podcast. But anyway, there are these turf wars that occur between the different groups of Krampus 
dressers that occur in these Krampus loafs, which are the Krampus runs. I'm probably not saying that word right because I don't speak German, but that's how I've read it. Krampus also makes an appearance on some TV shows that I like. American Dad and The League feature Krampus. If you've ever seen, American Dad has some kind of messed up like retellings of Christmas stories for their Christmas episodes. And Stan, American Dad, the, the main character, his dad actually becomes Krampus. So that's the story of Krampus. Let's next move on to Frau Perkta. Frau Perkta is basically a Christmas witch who is also in charge of doling out punishment during the 12 days of Christmas. She's somewhat of a sinister figure who punishes people who are slobs or idle, as in lazy, I guess, greedy or over-inquisitive. So she is kind of associated with like the seven deadly sins a little bit, I think. As opposed to Krampus, who, what I could tell, his punishments are mainly for children. But we have kind of this, like, adult cosplay where people will dress up like Santa, people will dress up like Krampus. Even adults are in danger of being punished by Frau Perkta. One of the main things that she does is actually rip out people's stomachs. So she'll disembowel those who are acting poorly and replace their insides with trash. It's said that Frau Perkta lives in groves and mountains, as well as lakes, and during the winter, she actually lives inside of the mountain, where she makes snow, sort of like Frau Halle. Some of the places I read online, again, there's some disagreement between the scholars, but... Some people think that originally Frau Perkta was actually a goddess who over time with the spread of Christianity was turned into a sort of witch or hobgoblin type figure. One of the people that tried to kind of delve into the original folklore and mythology of this Frau Perkta character was Jacob Grimm himself. He said that there is, you know... Other previous Germanic goddesses who had similar associations with things like agricultural, with agriculture and household tasks, which Frau Perkta has these associations. She's often shown spinning and weaving yarn. That's something that we've talked about in previous episodes with characters like Penelope, who is not herself a goddess, but she has a specific place in Greek mythology as a spinner. We have Ariadne, Bridget of the Celts also was a spinner, and uh, Frau Perkta is also associated with plowing, and in England they have a tradition of Plow Monday. So it's hard sometimes when you're studying folklore to be able to tell, are these things connected? Where is... Are they just similarities, or are they actually part of the same tradition? It's hard to tell. Apparently, the name Frau Perkta means something like the Shining One, so that could indicate some of her previous stature as being more of a goddess rather than a witch figure, which 
is an interesting metamorphosis from being divine into something that is uh, demonized, basically. Some people say that she is a manifestation of natural forces or a caricature of natural forces. One scholar says that these belly-ripping rites may have been tied to prehistoric initiation rituals. Again, that doesn't seem to be substantiated, but it's just interesting to think of why she is said to actually rip out intestines because that's pretty grotesque. Her night that she's associated with is the 12th night of the Epiphany, which takes place on January 5th. So she's a little bit outside of the Christmas time uh, in that regard, but she she also is associated with the 12 days of Christmas. Her just her main night is the 12th night of the Epiphany. Want to give you just a couple of stories associated with Frau Perkta, the rundown of them. The first is called Perkta and the Prying Farmhand. So Perkta and her t- unbaptized children go to a farmhouse on the 12th night of the Epiphany. And one of the farmhands that was staying there spied into her room through the stove. And upon doing so, he was blinded. And a year later, he tried to do it again, and he ended up regaining his sight. So that's basically the story. But that kind of makes me think of the story of uh, Acteon and Diana, where Acteon sees the goddess in the form that he's not supposed to see yet and is transformed into a stag and is then killed. And then also, of course, we have a lot of other blinding myths throughout time of, you know, the blind seer Tiresias and Oedipus, stuff like that. And then also this association with the stove and witches, you know, Hansel and Gretel, Again, just a lot of things being put into that one story. And then the second story is called Perkta and the Cottager. Basically, a cottager goes out to town looking for a godfather for his newborn son. I think it's a son. It might be baby. Let's just say it's a son. This cottager is poor, and he encounters Frau Perkta and her children. So she's oftentimes with her children, and he sees that only one of the children is, or one of the children is just wearing a rag. And he says, you poor Zoda washer, which I couldn't find what that word means. I'm assuming it means just like poor kid, basically. And then Frau Perkta says, since you gave him this name, you in turn are going to be rich. And the cottager ends up finding a rich godparent for his son. So... In this case, Frau Perkta, not looking too bad. Okay, let's move on to our third class of Christmas characters, holiday characters. They're Christmas characters. And that is the Yule Lads from Icelandic folklore. So the Icelanders have not one, but 13 Father Christmases, one for each night leading up to Christmas. I'm kind of curious as to why that there's this association with 13 and 12. I think 12 is a particularly important archetypal 
sort of number, you know, the Zodiac and 12 Apostles, stuff like that. But 13 becomes a little bit unlucky, you could say. Basically, uh, with these Yule lads, that they're the sons of this troll, Gorilla. So they're, they're basically like troll-type characters. And on each night, the Icelandic children will leave out their shoes. And if you listen to my last episode about counter-witchcraft, you'll know that shoes have a particular, you know, role in supernatural folklore and magical thought. If the kids were good, they would get candy, and if they were bad, they would get rotting potatoes. And there's there's 13 of these different Yule lads, and they all do have different names and different things that they do. The kids will also have to contend with this mother, Gorilla, who comes down from the mountains and is known to boil naughty children. And she's basically a female troll, and she has this apathetic husband named uh, Lepa Louie, I believe is the pronunciation. This family also has a giant cat called the Christmas, ca- Christmas cat that prowls the country and eats children who are not wearing new pieces of clothing. So if you want to avoid your loved ones being eaten by the Christmas cat, make sure to get them new clothing for Christmas. Apparently the stories of these Yule lads used to be scarier because in 1746, parents were actually banned from telling these monster stories. So they've been somewhat sanitized. That's something that we see in folklore. Uh, I've been researching Japanese yokai who have been systematically also sanitized over the years. I'm going to just run down and give you an idea of all of the different, these 13 different Yule lads with their names. So we have Sheepcoat Claude, who tries to suckle ewes in the farmer's sheds. That's what he does. We have Goalie Gawk, who steals buckets of cow milk. Stubby, who is short and steals food from frying pans. Spoonlicker, who... Shocker, licks spoons. Pot scraper, who steals unwashed pots and licks them clean. Maybe, I mean, I could see being a troll and like finding a pot of grease from bacon and that being kind of satisfying for a troll. We have bowl licker, who (laughs) steals bowls of food from under the bed. They're just licking and sucking a bunch of... (laughs) Stuff that people have kind of discarded. Door slammer. Stomps around and slams doors. Likes to keep everybody awake. Skyer gobbler, who eats all of the yogurt. Sausage swiper, who steals sausages. You can see where we're going with these names. Window peeper, who funny enough actually has nothing to do with looking into windows. I'm just kidding. That's what he does. He just looks through windows. He's a peeping Tom. Door sniffer, who basically just loves uh, baking goods, you know, stealing baked goods. Meat hook, who steals any meat left out. And candle beggar, who steals candles. If that's not the most Icelandic thing I've ever heard, is just all of these 13 Yule lads and how they're basically just 
sitting at your door ready to take your yogurt and your meat. So that's it for today's episode. The Trixie and sometimes sinister figures of Krampus, Frau Perkta, and the Yule Lads remind us that if we're not good, we might be beaten with a stick, disemboweled, or possibly boiled to death. So keep that in mind next time you're trying to decide whether or not to dip your hand into the metaphorical cookie jar. Be sure to follow Mythic Existence on social media, like and subscribe on YouTube, and leave a review on your podcast app. Thanks for listening. See you next time.